Big picture, we've been talking about God equipping saints for the work of the ministry, a moving of his spirit where he's drawing people to Jesus. In the midst of that, we're talking about an unshakable kingdom in the midst of a shaking world. Matthew chapter four, verse 17 says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word I shared last week means literally think differently. That kingdom is so different, we have to think differently. And so we talked about God's perspective or a kingdom perspective on money and that God's an extravagant, generous God. And that when we understand that and we understand that he's our source, then we can be extravagantly generous because we represent him. Giving is a key to understanding the kingdom. So I want to jump off of that and talk about this morning kingdom ministry. Now, I'm using the term kingdom as different than Christian because the term Christian has a whole lot of baggage associated with it. And so I'm trying to intentionally focus on what our kingdom thinks. Jesus said in Matthew 10:8, freely you've received, freely give. Actually, he says more than that. He says, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. That sounds amazing. Freely you've received, freely give. We're part of that advancing of the kingdom in partnership with him. And there's something about an extravagant generosity that actually represents the kingdom. Not just, we're not just talking about money or finances. We're talking about a hard attitude that says what I've received, the grace of God I've received, I'll extend to others. The ministry of God that I've received, I'll extend to others. Without expecting something in return. Without looking for some sort of, of quid pro quo. Too often that's how we look at things. If I scratch your back, you'll scratch mine. But Jesus says freely received, not because you've earned it, freely give. We're talking about kingdom ministry. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. I want to just lay a bit of a biblical background for a hard attitude. And I'm going to talk very quick. Chapter 8, verse 1, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the, the Lord swore to your fathers. I'm going to try not to get distracted, but I'm going to get slightly here. It doesn't say, obey all these so that you'll gain favor with me. He actually says, this is how you're going to possess the land. He's talking about the kingdom. It's not I earn God's favor by doing these things. It's actually he's teaching us how to live in the kingdom. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years of the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know the man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Forty years, 
He led them in the wilderness and provided manna with one purpose, to make you know man doesn't live by bread alone, but man lives by hearing God's voice. That's the kingdom principle. We live by hearing God's voice. Only place I can find, and I'm not saying it's the only place in the Bible, the only place I can find where God says he's gonna make them know something. This is so essential that he took 40 years to make them learn this one thing. And when Jesus was tempted, prior to kingdom ministry, he was tempted in this, and what did he respond when the devil said to him, you have a need, you're hungry, turn these stones into bread. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word. Man lives by hearing God's voice. Satan was actually saying, you have, you are God. Use your gift for your own benefit. And he said, I do nothing except what I hear the Father saying and see the Father doing. We're talking kingdom ministry. I'm trying to be quick. Numbers chapter nine. From verse 15, it says, on the day the tabernacle was raised up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of testimony. From evening until morning, it was above the tabernacle and like the appearance of fire. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And it goes on and talks about the uh, moving when the cloud moved or when the fire moved. Verse 22, whether it was two days, a month, or a year that the cloud remained above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would remain encamped and not journey. But when it was taken up, they would journey. At the command of the Lord, they remained encamped, and at the command of the Lord, they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. What is he saying? In this time when God's teaching them to live by hearing his voice, he actually is leading them with this cloud, cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, and whenever it settled down, they would camp. And when it raised up, they would follow it because God was, and it says, whether it stayed for two days or a week or a month, they would stay. They were actually being trained to follow the leading of God. God didn't just say, you're here, I want you there, just get there. He said, you're here, I'm gonna take you there, but the journey's gonna take us all over the place. Because it's not about getting to the goal, it's about learning to hear God's voice. I'm getting excited here, and, and I'm really trying hard. John chapter five, verse 19. I should just quit even turning, because you get there so much quicker. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, the son of man can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the father do, for whatever he does, the son does also in like manner. In the, the revised standard, it says the son can do nothing of his own initiative. Now if there's anybody who could do, who could do something of his own initiative, it was Jesus. But he says, I don't. It's not like I figure out what should be done and then I run and do it. He did it only when he heard God. It says again in verse 30, I can do nothing of myself. In fact, five times in the book of John it says that. Uh, 
And one more, John chapter 10. Jack uh, Van Winded said last night, where's Jack? Said he was a man of few words and I figured I should get him to preach this morning. (laughs) John chapter 10. Verse three and four says, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they will follow me. Talking about kingdom ministry, I wanna make a few points. God's intent was always relationship and partnership. John 17, three says, this is the eternal life that they know you. Not that they know about you. Not that they know principles, but that they know you. So God's intent was always relationship and partnership. He never intended us to do the work or the ministry for him, but with him. God's not saying, hey, go do something for me. He's actually saying, come along with me. It's a whole different story. Romans 8, 14 talks about being led by the Spirit. Galatians 5, 25, let us walk in the Spirit. Something happened. And much of the church moved from relationship with Jesus to information about Jesus. I don't have time to give you the whole history of how that came about, but it did. In essence, it moved from knowing him to knowing about him, taking in a knowledge of him. And therefore, ministry moved often from relationship, being led by the Spirit, to knowledge, being principle-led, led by principles. About uh, 10 or 15 years ago, there was a a move of people wearing these little uh, wristbands that said WWJD, what would Jesus do? Basic premise behind that is study Jesus' life, get a bunch of principles, and then apply them when you think you should. What would Jesus do? Rather than, Jesus, what do you want to do? See the difference. I'm walking with Jesus. Jesus, what do you want to do here? No, I'm trying to figure out through principles what Jesus would do. You don't have to figure out what Jesus would do. You can ask him. As a result, ministry training moved from discipleship to academic study. From doing to knowing. You go to seminary and you learn all these theological things where for almost 2,000, 1,500 years, it was come along and learn by doing. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. Come follow me. He didn't say, come learn about me. He said, come follow me. And he taught them discipleship. So, bottom line is this. God never intended for you to know how to do ministry without him. Let me say that again. God never intended for you to know how to do ministry without him. 
He never intended that if you went to Bible college or seminary somewhere, you could gain enough knowledge to do kingdom ministry without the king. That was never his intent. His intent was always that we do it in relationship, led by the Spirit. Unfortunately, 1 Corinthians 8, 1 says that knowledge puffs up. Knowledge leads to pride. That's what, that's what the Bible says. I didn't make this up. Yet our whole approach to ministry training was how much knowledge can we give someone? Cram it into a short period of time. How much principles? And what, what's the result? The result is a whole lot of people who are arrogant in their approach to ministry. As if they know what to do. I'm getting excited. Experience can be dangerous as well. See, when you start in ministry, when I started, I didn't know anything. Even though I'd gone to Bible college, I realized that I didn't know anything. And when I faced a, a situation, I would say, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do. What do you want to do? And he'd show me. But after a number of times of the same situation, somebody would come and say, I have this problem. i say, I don't know what to do. I've been there. What happens? All of a sudden, I'm no longer being led by the Spirit. I'm being led by my experience. Then it comes down to I know what to do. And I can write a book about it. And then I can tell you what you should do based on my experience. (laughs) Yeah, and maybe make some money. Bottom line is we've gotten away from living by hearing God's voice. So, necessary hard attitudes for kingdom ministry. I want to give you four. Necessary hard attitudes for kingdom ministry led by the Spirit. First one is humility. You've heard me say this, but I'm going to say it and say it and say it and say it. Humility releases grace. James 4, 6, God's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, put that in the context of what I just talked to you about, ministry training. Let's get a bunch of knowledge so that we get puffed up with pride. And God's opposed to the proud. That word opposed means he actually works against. The more I think I know that I can do it without him, the more I'm not actually doing it for him. He's actually working against me. That's pretty heavy. But the more I humble myself and say, God, I don't know what to do. I need you. He releases grace. That's a kingdom principle. God releases grace where there's humility. 1 Peter 5, 5 says the same thing. So it goes like this. I don't know how to do this. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do or say? And then afterwards, I didn't do this. God did. He gets the glory. No advertising. Someone sent me a clip of a, 
a ministry person and they had this video of someone going through a type of deliverance. And I thought, this is it in a church. I thought, how in the world did they know in advance to video this? They had someone videoing. I went, how, how in the world do you do that? And now it's on their website, advertising their ministry. When we do it in partnership with God, we recognize, I don't know how to do it. I need the Holy Spirit. And when God moves, we say, I didn't do it. God gets the credit. Not, hey, everyone needs me now. Because look what God did. I prayed for someone and they got healed. Now, if you really want to get healed, you need me to pray for you, not Tim. (laughs) Because I'm the one with the anointing. And so I start, what? Puffing up with pride. And then when God's not healing, then I try to start changing the definitions. We had a guy in Denver who uh, someone actually came from overseas, stayed with us, said they were going to a seminar this guy did. He said 100% of people he prayed for got healed. I thought that was pretty cool. This guy went to the seminar and said, well, basically he defined healing as something that took place in the spirit realm, even though they still had the sickness. So 100% got healed, even though nothing actually changed. I could just see Jesus doing that with a guy who's blind. He prays for him and he says, Brother, you're healed. He says, I can't see. He says, no, 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 you're healed. Something's happened in the spirit. The guy's going, but I can't see. I'm sorry, I'm I'm, I'm being, being naughty. Necessary hard attitudes for kingdom ministry. I'm trying to get through this. Second is obedience. Not just hearing him, but obeying him. He chooses to partner with us. Guys, this is hard for me to grasp. I see it biblically, I could spend a whole hour on this, but God chooses to work through us. Why? (laughs) But he does. And so when he said, sometimes he says, I want you to do that, I would like you to pray for this person. We just say, oh God, you can just heal him anyway, you don't need me. But he's chosen not to do it except through us. Obedience. Third hard attitude is serving. Matthew 20, 27, Jesus said he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life. 1 John 3, 8 says he came to destroy the works of the enemy. So Jesus came in serving, destroying the works of the enemy, if you put the two together. Serving releases the supernatural. A hard attitude of serving, not trying to establish our name and our ministry, but serving releases something of the supernatural. Serving God and others, not serving ourselves. Now let me give you a real easy to understand, but it might seem simplistic example. We have guys who come and they set up and they've learned instruments and they lead us in worship. We have guys who come early and they set up chairs so that you have some place to sit. Set up children, set up the hospitality. 
that in itself isn't something that we would consider very supernatural. But the fact that they do it means that when we gather together, the supernatural can be released. Don't ever underestimate the hard attitude of serving. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. If we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to be serving. And the last one for this time, almost, <laughs> is love. Hard attitude for kingdom ministry is love. Love releases God, because God is love. Love is wanting another's highest. Love is others focused. Love is not just wanting someone to feel good. My kids, when they were young, liked candies, lollies. If I just wanted to make them feel good, I would just give them lollies all the time. Oh, it's dinner time. Here, have a whole plate of candy. It's breakfast, have another plate of candy. It's lunch, have another plate of candy. Why do we not do that as parents? Because we know it's not their best. It might make them feel good, but love is not just wanting someone to feel good. Love is actually choosing their highest. The wonderful thing is that God actually knows what our highest is. Sometimes we think we do, but he's the only one who does. Quick application. Kingdom ministry represents the king and his kingdom. Not the church or the pastor. That's God calling saying, Rush, you've gone too long. <laughs> I was part of a church once and lead, uh, part of the, the uh, staff and the pastor said to me once, I want you to realize that you represent me. You need to do what I would do. And I said to him, because I knew the guy, I said, what you would do is hear the Holy Spirit and obey him. And that's exactly what I will do. I will not put you between me and God. If that's your desire, then you need to fire me. And he went, oh. I said, because what you would do, he was a spirit-filled man. You would hear, but someone had gotten his ear about his staff has to represent him, and he hadn't thought it through, and he said, you need to represent me. Let me tell you, you don't represent me. Or you don't represent Redemption Hills Church. You represent Jesus. It'd be easy if you represented us. Jesus has a much higher standard. It's kingdom ministry. It's not church ministry. We're going to do something with the uh, Body Soul uh, Festival as an outreach. Fiona's leading it up. Some of you can be involved. Those of you who aren't, don't want to be involved can pray. We're going to have a prayer list as well. But we're not doing it as Redemption Hills Church. We're doing it as followers of Jesus. There is a uh, combined churches thing on, for Easter on the Saturday that uh, takes place in City Park, uh, which I didn't get to last year. Uh, so I don't know what it is. I've just, from what people have told me. But Kate was telling us that, that they were there last year and there was no one, there was no water. There was no place to get water. I thought, okay, why don't we just hand out water? We'll just get thousands of 
bottles of water and put it in ice and we'll just give it to people. Living, Living yeah. <laughs> but you know what? We're not going to put our church name on it. We're not going to put a sign with Redemption Hills Church because we're not doing it in the name of the church. We're doing it in the name of Jesus. Now, if people beat you over the head and say, where do you go to church? Don't lie to them. But that's not the goal. The goal is not to advertise us as a church. The goal is to extend the kingdom. We represent the king. Part of the foundation to staying dependent on the Holy Spirit and not on ourselves is that we're people of prayer. I shared with the guys who came to prayer on Wednesday, David Wright, the book that uh, Paul lent me. He said, the less we pray, the less we are dependent on God and the more we're dependent on our own wisdom and expertise. The less we pray, the less we're dependent on God. And the more we're then dependent on our own wisdom and expertise. Prayer acknowledges our dependence on God. Prayer is not just talking to God about our needs. Prayer is communion with God and it's hearing what he's saying. It's living by hearing God's voice. Jesus, who probably didn't need to hear God more than any of us, didn't need it, did it, said he did nothing except he heard God. He spent time in prayer fellowshipping with God because why? Though he was God, he put off God and became a man and was led by the Holy Spirit the same as we are. And his model was, I need to hear what God's saying. Let me tell you, you need to hear what God's saying. Why is that important? Foundational to all ministry is understand that it's ministry of the kingdom. We're going to talk about kingdom leadership over the next few weeks, and I can't do that without doing this. Okay, because if you don't get this, it seems like everything I preach is all dependent on something else. Huh? If you don't get this, you can't get this. <laughs> everything kind of is connected to my, my brain. Kingdom ministry is representing the king and his kingdom. Wind of the spirit is blowing, blowing away the chaff so that we can represent the king in his kingdom. Pruning off that which is not fruitful so that we can be fruitful for the king in his kingdom. Empowering us so that we can be part of seeing the kingdom. Extravagant generosity. Freely we've received. Freely we give. Would you bow your head for a moment? I didn't go that long. It was the worship team. (laughs) Lord, we just pray again. Where there has been something other than kingdom ministry that has put people under pressure that has stopped us, that has made us try and live up to rules or expectations, that have things that have actually clipped our wings, things that have stopped us from obeying the Holy Spirit, 
things that have said, oh, no, I can't do that because I'm not trained enough or I don't know enough or I don't have enough education or I would misrepresent the church and they say, oh, you can't do that here unless you have credentials. Any of that stuff, Lord, we just allow to fall off now in the name of Jesus. We're a kingdom of priests redeemed by the king and empowered by the same spirit that empowered Jesus. Lord, thank you for that. Let's pray in this season where you are moving in this nation that there's something that would rise up in every one of us that we get to be a part of that. Not to earn some sort of favor with you. Not because if we do, we'll be righteous or you'll like us or something, but simply that we get the privilege of walking with you. Father, thank you for that. Thank you for your empowering. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Two things. If you haven't met Jesus, we'd love to introduce you to him. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, we'd love to pray with you so you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, so you can be led by him. If you haven't gone to activate, let me encourage you. You'll learn how to move in the manifestations of the Spirit uh, beginning next week. Was that good enough? Good enough plug. While we stand. We've got some coffee and tea, uh, but there'll be some folks here who'd love to uh, pray with you. If you'd like to meet Jesus or if you'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to invite you to come just here to the front. There'll be some people here who'd love to pray with you while everyone else grabs some tea and coffee.